Hi, this is Stephen Ambrose, Senior Pastor at Wapak Naz. I want to welcome you to the Wapak Naz podcast. We hope and pray that this message goes deep into your DNA, is encouraging, relevant to your life, a means for you to engage with God and experience His love, and moves you to impact your world. We at Wapak Naz believe firmly that you matter to God. We are glad that you are taking the risk to engage with Him today. Wapak Naz is love people loving people to Jesus, and it takes people to partner with us to be on mission and bring this message to our community, the region, and the world. If you would like to financially partner with Wapak Naz to love people to Jesus, join us by going to our website at wapaknaz.org and becoming a financial partner. We thank you, we pray for you, we love you, and enjoy the message. Well, good morning. Are you ready? Are you sure? I don't know if I'm ready. I want to know if you are. Well, good morning, and uh, we are we are wrapping up uh, a series called "This Changes Everything," and uh, next week uh, begins a series called "Answered Prayers," um, and uh, we're going to actually begin to have a conversation about um, unanswered prayer, but also those prayers that God does answer that maybe we're not asking, so we need to start asking those prayers that he would answer. Uh, but this week, we're, we're wrapping up our series, This Changes Everything. We started, we started at the cross and the resurrection because the resurrection changes everything. And then we moved to uh, the ascension of Jesus Christ as he uh, ascended to the right hand of the Father, assuming that sovereign throne and authority. And last week, we embarked on that amazing moment of Pentecost 50 days after the resurrection of Jesus Christ uh, where God for us who was with us now left us and now is within us that promised Holy Spirit that gift of the Holy Spirit and, and this week uh, we we enter in to a topic that is not often talked about um, enough or it's talked about agnosium and you still don't understand it, um, and that is the Lord's coming, the second coming, the second advent, and so the Lord's coming. Be ready. You're dismissed. <laughs> Peace out, bro. <laughs> We're we're gonna we're gonna step into this this moment of the Lord's coming, and uh, I had mentioned last week how uh, when I had this moment with my my wife before she was my wife when I was dating her and I was still a little um, iffy of the relationship and I had been praying for three or four weeks, Lord, you know I don't want to waste her time and she doesn't want to waste my time. Lord, make it very very clear. And it was at the Christmas party that I I. I uh, was very obnoxious and basically I, I almost didn't have a girlfriend the next day um, we see how that worked out right um, <clears throat> I'm still obnoxious and now I have a wife uh, but uh, it was that moment that changed everything that I knew I knew she was my wife uh, and at that point in time the wheel started to turn the boxes that I had boxed up were um, now becoming unboxed because I was planning on moving and selling my house and going to the West Coast and going to a marriage and family therapy program and all those things got shifted and it was around February that I actually bought the ring 
and it was it was May 1st 2010 that she and I went on a date it was almost a replica of our first date and we went to Cox Arboretum and we were walking across the bridge and it was beautiful the sun was coming down and and I asked her uh, would she and she said of course like there's any other answer right um and from that moment on, Amy and I were engaged to be married, and we started living in the in-between. We knew that we were going to covenant with one another and make that, that agreement before uh, our family and friends and before God, but it was May 1st, and August 28th was the wedding day. We were between the already and the not yet. Have you ever lived there? Actually, you are living there. All humanity is living there. Quite frankly, you're, you're living between the already and not yet, and your birth and your death, you're living the dash between the dates, the already. You are all born, I would hope so. Um, but there will be a time when you're not here. The already and the not yet. Humanity is living in the already and the not yet. From Pentecost when Jesus Christ sent his spirit and God dwelled in mankind for the first time, we started to live in the already and not yet because Jesus Christ himself is to come back. That second coming that even the prophet Daniel, several hundred years before Jesus Christ, in a vision wrote, in my vision at night, I, Daniel, looked, and there before me was one like the Son of Man, coming with the clouds beautiful he's not predicting the future he's speaking of the future that will eventually become now he continues that he approached the ancient of days how beautiful is that and was led into his presence he the son of man was given authority glory and sovereign power all the peoples, all nations, and men of every language worshipped him. His dominion is everlasting. It always will be. Always was, always is, and always will be. That will not pass away. And his kingdom is one that will not be destroyed. On the other end of the Bible, in Revelation, John the Apostle, who was one of Jesus' disciples, the only one that literally, physically, with his own two eyeballs, watched Jesus take his last breath on the cross, who also witnessed the bodily resurrection and the ascension of Jesus Christ, going to the right hand of the Father, and experienced Pentecost. In his old age, looking over his shoulder, he wrote not only the narrative of the book of John but those three letters and then he had a vision on the Isle of Patmos when he was exiled and notice how very similar John's words are to Daniel's look 
Behold, hold with your eyes. He is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him. Unlike the ascension, astronaut Jesus going to the right hand of the Father, unlike the ascension where there were only several hundred people witnessing with their own two eyeballs, Jesus going into the clouds, Jesus' second coming, when he comes again, will be seen by every human being, by every eyeball, able to see. Look, behold with your eyes, he's coming with the clouds and every eye will see him. Even those who pierced him, all peoples of the earth will mourn because of him. So shall it be, amen. It is true. I am the Alpha and Omega, says the Lord God, who, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. Even Paul. Paul himself wrote of Jesus' second coming. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel. This would be Michael. With the trumpet call of God. And the dead will rise. Woohoo! That's going to be good. It's going to be a glorious day. We must understand that this is a day when all wrongs will be righted. When the axe that is at the root of the tree finishes its work and everything in society is upended. The first now will be last, and the last now will be first. This is a day where the victim becomes victorious, where the oppressor and the violent will be reckoned with. This is a day that Christ reigns and Satan completely is defeated. This is a glorious day when faith that you and I have will no longer be faith. In a blink of an eye, our faith becomes sight. Think about that for a moment. When Christ comes in the clouds, your faith, who you long for, who you hope for who you truly put your hope and trust in will now appear and you will no longer have faith because the future will be now. It's a glorious day. Justice is exacted and done. It is a glorious day. The great reversal occurs when all the persecuted, all those who stood firm in their faith in the face of pressure, in the face of death, who have overcome. Those who actually lost their heads for their faith will now be crowned. What an image that is, right? Right? Those who lost their heads 
And that is not an ancient statement. That is a very recent statement within the last several years. Those who lost their heads for their faith in Jesus Christ will be crowned with glory. Wow. What a glorious day that comes like a thief in the night, in the blink of an eye. Even Jesus says, when the Son of Man, speaking of himself, when the Son of Man in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his throne in heavenly glory. All nations will be gathered before him. Every tongue confess, every knee will bow that Jesus Christ is Lord. What a glorious day. But we must understand that the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise as some of us might think. I mean, the church has been anticipating and waiting and expecting Jesus Christ to arrive since Jesus left. Peter says, the Lord is not slowing in keeping his promise as some of us understand slowness. No. He's patient with you. He is patient with humanity, wanting not anyone to perish. For all of us to come to repentance into relationship with God Himself through Jesus Christ by His Spirit. But the day will come, and it will come, as Paul says, in a blink of an eye, and as Peter says, like a thief who's already in the house. He's already there. Like I said, the Lord is coming. Be ready. And however glorious this day may be, however much we want to celebrate this day, because it will be a good day, it will be a great day, you won't stop worshiping. You will receive the new body. I can't wait for that. I'm already at 43 and I have hip pain. My goodness. Can't imagine being 80. Right? I know, wow, right? They know I love them very much. However glorious this day will be, you and I have to keep perspective. Because for some, it's not such a glorious day. Isaiah 2 says this, The Lord Almighty has a day in store, the Lord's day, an Old Testament term, the Lord's day is in store for all the proud and lofty. For all this is exalted, and they will be humbled. The arrogance of man, of mankind, humanity, for those of us that are wrestling with our culture and the way the world is going, we must be aware that the way the world is going, it will be held accountable for. The arrogance of man will be brought low, and the pride of men will be humbled. The Lord alone will be exalted. That's going to be what we do. And the idols will totally disappear. Men will flee to caves, in the rocks, to the holes, 
in the ground from the dread of the Lord and the splendor of his majesty when it rises to shake the earth. Folks, how glorious of day the Lord's coming, the second advent of our Lord Jesus Christ will be. For some, it will not be so glorious. Even John, in his vision, called Revelation, mirroring Isaiah's words, he says, Then the kings of the earth, the princes, the generals, the rich, the mighty, and every slave and every free man hid in caves and among rocks and listened to what they say, what they cry out. They called to the mountains and to the rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lord. How glorious a day it will be. But for some, it's not going to be glorious. The great day of wrath has come. Who can stand? Again, as Paul said, every knee will bow. No one will stand. All men, all people will bow and declare that Jesus Christ is Lord. Because the one who is the way that came to show the way will come back. However glorious it may be, we must understand there are those that we know, those that we love, those that we pray for, those that we ignore, those that we despise. It may not necessarily be glorious for them. Those that we love, it may not be as glorious as it is. However much we want to sing His praises, we must realize that God, who is fully love, is also fully holy. And he will exact justice. He who searches the heart and the mind will hold all hearts and minds accountable. That is not a popular term in these days. Accountability. We all just want to push it off and not take that accountability and that responsibility. However much we don't, it will be soon this is not a debate of whether the church will endure the suffering be raptured before the suffering in the middle of the suffering or after the suffering whether the reign of peace is now or the reign of peace will be or this is not that discussion because quite frankly there are too many in the church that are debating these things and missing the fact that Jesus is coming. And not only must we be ready, we must work. So for those of us that are sitting in this room, those of us listening online, we need to make sure that our hearts are right. We need to make sure that we repent of those things in our hearts and our minds that do not align with 
with the Lord. Because at one point, it will be too late. Remember, the Lord does not want anyone to perish, but for everyone to come to everlasting life in a living, loving relationship with Jesus Christ right now, today, where heaven and earth collides in you and the kingdom of God goes as you go because his spirit would live in you. If you're not right, the church isn't going to save you. If you're not right, church attendance won't save you. Tithing won't save you. Good works won't save you. The Lord Jesus Christ is the answer. The Lord Jesus Christ is the way. Buddha is dead. Confucius is dead. Muhammad is dead. David is dead. Jesus Christ, the only one who came for you, is alive and well. Jesus Christ, who surrendered himself for you, is alive and well. And he's coming back. For those of us who know the Lord, we must make the most of the daylight and all that God has given you. Jesus himself said, as long as it is day, talking to his disciples, John chapter 8, He said, as long as it is day, we must do the work of him who sent me. Night's coming. There's no question. Night is coming when no one can work. While I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. Let us not forget what he said about us. Matthew chapter 5 on what we call the Sermon on the Mount. He says, you are the light of the world. He left. He's at the right hand of the Father. He sent his spirit to reside in you, the Holy Spirit Pentecost. He's still the light of the world because he's in you. And you and I are to be in the darkness, illuminating that. We have work to do. We can't waste the daylight. If we firmly believe that it will be a glorious day, we must understand equally it will not be a glorious day for some. And therefore, we must be at work doing the things of the kingdom. If you firmly believe and celebrate the glorious coming of Jesus Christ, we must be urgent in our life. And in the parable of the talents, toward the end of his ministry, Last week, Jesus goes through several parables. Parable of the ten virgins, parable of the talents, parable of the sheep and goats. Sheep and goats get separated. Parable of the ten virgins, five are ready, five are not. Five are wise, five are unwise. And in the middle, he says the parable of the talents. And most preachers do a really good job of preaching this one because it talks about money, right? 
But I want to pull that aspect out just for a second. And I want us to look at Matthew chapter 25, verse 14 and 19. You can write this down or you can pull this up on your phone. It starts off, again, it will be like a man going on a journey. That would be Jesus going on a journey. And that would actually be astronaut Jesus, the ascension, 50 days post his resurrection. He will be going on a journey. Before he goes on a journey, it says he entrusts his property to his servants. There, in the parable, one gets five talents, one gets two, and another one gets one. Talents are a weight, and so he basically gave them a lot of money, right? But I want us to remove that aspect. I want us to understand that you and I have been entrusted with more than money and with more than possessions. You have been entrusted with your breath. You have been entrusted with creativity and intellect. You've been entrusted with ability to work. You've been entrusted with a great mind. Skills and talents and abilities that make you unique. You have been entrusted. And then in the middle of the parable, it says, after a long time. We don't know when, but it's going to happen. The master returned. Second coming. Of Jesus Christ. The master returns. And what does he do? He returns and settles accounts with them. The Lord has entrusted you with more than possessions and money. He's entrusted you with a whole lot more than that. And he will come and settle accounts with you on how you and I have managed and been stewards of what he's entrusted us with. Your home, your car, your time, your intellect, your creativity, your passions, your skills, your breath, the very breath that God gave you. So, you and I, we know it's a glorious day but we also must know that he will settle accounts with us, those who bear the name of Jesus Christ. He will settle accounts with what he's entrusted, but he will also make us aware of our deeds, our words, our actions, our thoughts, and settle accounts with those as well. What a glorious day. What a glorious day. I hope that I'm not the wicked servant who Jesus took the one talent away because he buried it in the ground and gave it to the one who invested it. The kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. And the kingdom of God inherently deals with investment of what you've been entrusted so, make the most of the daylight. Don't waste the daylight. Don't waste it. And we need to exchange our citizenship. Dare I say that? We need to exchange our citizenship. 
I'm assuming most of you sitting here are citizens of the United States of America. Uh, well, there's one that I'm not really sure. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> but we hold that as our citizenship. But honestly, our citizenship, most of us hold to the fact that we are here on earth, right? There needs to be an exchange that happens. Paul says this, but our citizenship, citizenship is in heaven. And notice how he links this idea up, this mindset. It's not an idea, it's a mindset. But our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. I was listening to a podcast called the Battle Ready Podcast. Father and son, both pastors, Aaron, Aaron McManus and Erwin McManus, the older, he's the father. And his son, Aaron, asked his dad, how does a leader prepare for change? Immediately, Aaron, Erwin says, well, pride and arrogance make you rigid. Humility makes you teachable, malleable. And without missing a beat, the son actually seemed to school the father. It was, it was a great moment. And Aaron said, don't fall in love with the present. Don't fall in love with the present. See, I think sometimes for us, we fall in love with earth. We think this is all there is. I mean, it's all we see, it's all we touch, it's all we feel. That's, that's our experiences, right? What is tangible? And when we fall in love with earth, we tie ourselves to earth. And if we fall in love with earth, thinking this is it, even as believers in Jesus Christ, we consume it. We consume ourselves with everything earthly, with the world. And what that says is, heaven's not better than what we have here. Heaven's not worth cutting the ties to earth. We're actually in love with earth more than we are of heaven. The opposite should be true as believers. Paul untethers himself to the earth and to the world. He cuts those. He says, heaven's much better than where I am. I'm living between the already and not yet. But I want to live in the not yet. Because I'm here. And I got to find that balance. Because if I fall in love with earth, with the present, I'm going to miss why I'm here. Why you're here. We got to exchange our citizenship. It is a mind shift, a perspective, a viewpoint shift. And when we can do that, then investment in the kingdom, whether it's passion, skills, talents, gifts, finances, property, possessions, it's a whole lot easier to do. It makes a little bit more sense. Be patient. Stand firm 
in the faith in the face of suffering. You and I are sitting in 40-some-year-old pews, and they're really comfortable. They are still comfortable. They haven't lost their bounce, except one of them over here somewhere they had to fix. It's great. It almost collapsed. <laughs> We're comfortable. There's going to be a time for us that's not going to be so comfortable. And most of the world, particularly in, in, in places that are not America, it's very uncomfortable to be a person of faith in Jesus Christ. James. This is, this is James, the bro James of Jesus. Jesus is half-brother. Half-brother because, well, James, Jesus is heavenly, right? Virgin birth, that whole thing. James is actually product of Joseph and Mary. But he's his brother. James didn't believe in Jesus, thought Jesus was out of his mind while he was going through ministry. What changed everything for James, as well as the rest of the brothers and the sisters of Jesus, yes, there were more than just Jesus in the family. He wasn't an only child, okay? He was God's one and only son, but he wasn't an only child to Joseph and Mary. They had more kids. They didn't have Netflix at the time. So, there you go. But post-resurrection, it changed. Resurrection changed something for James, and he actually became a central figure in the early church. He became a leader. And he wrote this wonderful book of wisdom. It's called the book of, well, James. Very, very creative, right? He says this, Be patient then, brothers and sisters. Be patient. Until the Lord's coming. Again, we don't know what's coming. It's going to happen. But be patient. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop and how patient he is for the autumn and spring spring uh, spring rains you too brothers sisters believers and followers of Jesus Christ be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near he wrote these words with full knowledge that many of the disciples who were in Jerusalem had scattered because of persecution he wrote these words with full knowledge that James, the brother of John, who wrote the book of Revelation, had lost his head at the hand of the Roman government. That persecution was not far away, but was knocking at their door, breathing down their necks. He wrote this to brothers and sisters who were scattered amongst the Roman world, facing Societal pressure to conform to society's norms. He wrote these words to those who were actually walking away from faith because they couldn't handle the pressure. They were seeing families go down. They were seeing leaders lose their heads. He said, stand firm. The Lord is near. And while you're standing firm, don't grumble against each other. Be unified, brothers, or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door because James understood 
that the judge is also the witness and the witness is also the judge. Meaning, Jesus is like your mom. You can't get away with anything. I couldn't get away with anything with my mom. She knew before I knew she knew. The judge is the witness and the witness is the judge. The judge is standing at the door. So church, stand firm in your faith. In the face of whatever societal pressures are, whether it's ethereal, it's, it's out there, or whether it's right there in the workplace, right there in the neighborhood, we got to stand firm in our faith in the face of suffering because it will happen. Some of you sitting here will not see it, but the day is coming. The day is coming, and it will probably be in my lifetime. The day is coming. Stand firm in your faith. Be unified together. He understood the power of unity, the power of the collective being one. This is one of the reasons that the author of Hebrews says, let us not give up on meeting together. Being the body is so important. We need each other. Finally, work. And work as if working for the Lord. See, Paul, Silas, Timothy, and the rest of the church planting crew, they planted the church in Thessalonica. And just years later, Paul was having an issue with this church. One of the issues with the church was they believed so heavily in the Lord's coming, which we should, they began to waste their time and not do anything. He says, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we command you, real strong language, do it. This is what you're supposed to do, to keep away from every brother who is idle and who does not living, live according to the teaching you receive from us. For you yourselves know how you ought to follow our example. We were not idle when we were with you. Paul's reminding that church that, you know what? We didn't need anybody's food that we didn't pay for. When we were with you and we were planning the church and we were doing the work of the Lord, we actually were paying for this. And in fact, other churches were paying for it as well. We didn't ask anything from you. No, we set an example that you do the work of the Lord, but you also make a living. He said, on the contrary, we worked night and day, laboring and toiling so that we would not be a burden to any of you. We did this not because we do not have a right to such help, but in order to make ourselves a model for you to follow. We want to be the example. For even when we were with you, we gave you this rule. If a man will not work, he shall not eat. We hear that some among you are idle. They're not busy. They're busy bodies. Folks, I can't believe we're, we're sitting in 2021. We're so advanced in society. And we don't connect the fact that work generates and produces income that we actually have to have this conversation the government is handing money and we see help wanted signs all over the church we are to be workers we are not to be idle and if we are in retirement start serving somewhere
Do not be idle. We can't be. That's not who we are. That's not the scriptures. That's not the faith. That's not Jesus Christ. That's not the disciples. Paul said, idleness creates busy bodies. What happens in the busy bodies is gossip, dissension, division, disunity. It breaks down the fabric. We burden each other. We're not to be burdens. We're to serve one another. Not out of obligation, but out of love. When we become idle and we stop doing what we're called to do and what we know we're to do, that's been established already since Genesis 2 with Adam. Mm. The system breaks down. It breaks down completely. Our trust no longer is in the Lord. It's in whoever can give it to us. It's the flavor of the day. We need to work. And when we work, we work as if we're working for the Lord. Not pleasing people, but for Him. Because why? Revelations 22, 20. He who testifies to these things says, Yes, I am coming soon. Jesus is coming. We got to be ready. You and I need to make the most of the daylight. Because there are those that don't know the Lord. So we must be urgent as the body of Christ to do the work of the Lord. To also do work to generate funds so that the work of the Lord can be done. Not necessarily just in this church, but all over our communities. There are several in this room that are volunteering in many places. We have a volunteer here who just got a certificate from Mercy Unlimited for Volunteer of the Year. Congratulations. Family Life Center, two volunteers there. It's all over. We may not be able to do all things for all people, but you can do many things outside of here to connect with people and to connect them with the Lord. So, are you ready? Are you ready? Because Jesus is coming. It is a glorious day. It will be. So, my hope is that when that day comes, Jesus will say, well done, good and faithful servants. Servants. Meaning we're stewards of what he's been entrusted to us. I don't want to hear wicked servant. Oh, how I want to hear, well done, good and faithful. So would you please stand? Bow your heads for just one moment. Jesus, you're coming. I don't know when. But scriptures encourages us, encourages us to pray and ask for your coming soon. So will you come, please?
while we're in the delay, while we're in the already and not yet, Lord, may we be faithful. Will you generate that within our spirit, within our mind? That we make the most of every opportunity. And when opportunities aren't there, that we create opportunity. We generate them that the gospel, the message, the good news, the hope of our Lord will come, will be spoken. That we give a reason for our hope. It's not an intellectual reason. It's the reason because you, you've saved us. You, you've given us life and purpose and meaning. If we are idle, God, you are a God of movement. May we begin to mirror the God of movement. We all have breath. We can all do something. Everyone plays in the kingdom of God. So help us play. Help us be salt and light and yeast in our communities. And as we're praying, I'm going to... If you're not ready, I really want that day to be a glorious day for you. Jesus wants that day to be a glorious day for you. You can be ready today. I ask that you give your life over to Jesus. Will you pray with me? Jesus, I give you my life. I give it to you. Jesus, I, just, I give you my life because you gave your life for me you gave your life for humanity Jesus I give you my life if you're, if you're not ready I'm just asking you to pray that say Jesus sincerely I give you my life it's yours that's not the end of the conversation that's just the beginning and if you prayed that for the first time and you sincerely meant that for the first time in your life, will you please just raise your hand? Father, I love you. May we not kid ourselves. You will be here. I can't wait. Can't wait. But in the meantime, spur us on encourage us. May we meet together. May we sharpen one another. And may we be out there in the streets and in our homes and in our neighborhoods and our workplaces and wherever we go making the most of the daylight. It's in Jesus' name we pray today. Amen. Folks, I love you. We love you. We're grateful for you. May you love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength. Will you please love your neighbor as yourself? Just as a reminder, if you are a member here, elections are right there in the fellowship hall. Y'all have a wonderful day.
Thank you for listening to the Wapaknas podcast. We hope you are moved deeply to step into God and the hope and future he has for you, and that you are moved to be salt, light, and yeast in your community and to love people to Jesus.